thank you very much for being here. Thanks, everyone. I bring you a lot of sunshine from Egypt, but you don't need that now. Malmo is beautiful today. It's my second time to be back, and I'm really happy to be back in your beautiful town. Last time I was here, it was freezing. So it's a huge difference with all the sunshine. Um, I was very excited to get the invitation to speak here um, today for many reasons. One of them is the fact that I've been a speaker for many years, nearly 20 years now. But with the topic I'm going to talk about today, I thought this is an amazing way to change careers, to start my career, to launch a new career in stand-up comedy. <laughs> there are so many hilarious jokes in the local media in Egypt that it's not very difficult to make a career out of telling them. Um, actually, somebody is actually doing that already. He is uh, supposed to be, uh, he's called Egypt's... Um, uh, John Stewart, his name is Dr. Bessim Youssef, and he has a primetime TV show in the evening with very high ratings, very high viewability, and all he does is actually take the footage from actual media stuff and put it on TV and make millions. So I thought, why not me? And just to be sure, I ran the text of this speech through this new genius tool called the Blah Blah Meter, and I am happy to announce that it found it bullshit-free and safe for human consumption. So you're safe with me this afternoon. Thank you. <laughs> My first thought when I got the invitation was, yes, sweet revenge, finally. And what better place to do that than the slaughterhouse? I mean... <laughs> Excellent setting for me to be here to do what I intend to do this afternoon, and I'm happy you have, we have so many witnesses to this. Let me try to explain the damage. These people in the media in Egypt now have been lying to us and misinforming us and misleading us for 60 years. So what happened is that we actually got addicted to their lies. We started craving their lies and their conspiracy theories. So now we're trying to get over that addiction, and we are obviously suffering withdrawal symptoms. You all know about that. So you can still find audiences. After we, we have actually exposed the liars and told the people that they are lying to us, you can still find audiences accepting lies as truths and refusing facts as lies. So until we can treat those unfortunate victims... Those bad guys have to be stopped before they inflict more pain and destruction on, on innocent people. Young activists are doing a great job uh, in, in combating those uh, misinformation and lies from the media, using, particularly using social media. And I can see many of you belong to social media sites and are using social media. So today I'm going to be bringing you examples from both sides of the divide, from the side of the bad guys, and the good guys. And my intention is to underline and to give credit to the efforts made by um, the young activists um, in, in combating lies and in spreading awareness to the general public at a very critical time when lying uh, to people through the media is extremely destructive as we try to make the transition from a time of oppression and totalitarian regime to a time of free speech and democracy. Um, first, let's start by, by exploring the meaning of the word media. The dictionary meaning of the word is the channel by which we pass information to influence people on a large scale. 
So we're actually talking about the channel that carries the information, but there is absolutely no guarantee of the quality of information that will be carried through those channels to, to the masses of people. And here lies our biggest problem. This is a picture that activists are using a lot to explain how the same thing could be seen in so many different ways, at least three ways. The picture in the middle is the original one from the war in Iraq. And the two pictures on the, on the sides are the two extremes. Some people love to, to refer to them as Al Jazeera and Fox News. <laughs> I can't verify that. But you can see how extreme the two, the two pictures on the side are by cutting out part of the picture. The media is a critical tool for shaping people's awareness about their environment. And so it is being used in many creative ways all around the world in order to influence how people think about things. So, for example, here is an example from the international media. This is the same issue of Time magazine, the European issue, and the U.S. edition and the European edition of the same issue in December 2011, which is the year of the Arab Spring. In the European edition, you can obviously see the Arab Spring on the cover, whereas on the U.S. edition, it says why anxiety is good for you. <laughs> obviously, revolution was not the right message to send to the uh, American readers at that time. And so it is not surprising to find this cartoon in the U.S. media. Always the cable with the truth is unplugged. At home, people are fascinated with the Americans, and so the definition of the media back in Egypt is exactly the same of the definition of the American media, which is basically the tool for mass propaganda, misinformation, and serving the purposes of those with power and money. So the channels, the TV channels and the newspapers can change tone 180 degrees at any moment without prior notice according to the whims of those who sit on those big chairs at the top of the pyramid. Let me tell you some stories about the transformers. Those are a different kind of species, a rare species, who can change color and shape according to the circumstances and who have landed lucrative media jobs, they make millions, because of their outstanding skills as lizards, <clears throat> I mean wizards, <laughs> of misinformation and lying. So we have some unique examples unique of this unique species in, in Egypt. Take, for example, this opposition leader from Mubarak's time. He's a journalist. He's supposed to be from the opposition, who was elected into parliament both during Mubarak's time and after Mubarak's time and given unlimited airtime on his program to talk to people about all sorts of issues. His program has a magnificent name, very telling name, The Extreme Truth, of course. So um, this guy has, has become very famous after the revolution as well because of his extreme ability to adapt. So here is... And a one-minute video telling you his story made by young activists and going viral online.
superhero who is always at the right place at the right time particularly when there is nobody else but him to verify what he's talking about when whenever anything happens between two important politicians behind closed doors and there was nobody there with them he knows what happened and of course some, nobody could verify that so here is a jingle a song made for him on Egypt's most famous satire show <laughs> He's not the only superhero we have in Egyptian media. There are many of them. And we haven't discovered them until after the revolution. They showed their skill of transformation only after the revolution. So the activists would spread lists like this one uh, with, with the faces of some of those talk show hosts and news anchors and different types of people in the media. And it says right at the top of the poster, straightforward, beware of the enemy. But then eventually we wanted something more to go viral. So... A new list has emerged where Photoshop was used to imagine what these same people would look like, would change to look like, as soon as the Muslim Brotherhood came to power. <laughs> Anyone here who can read Arabic? Few of you. Um, those, those who can read Arabic would have the added benefit of, of the funny um, Islamized program names that they have. The activists have also given them a better job description. They are like a, like a music band. They are just playing the tunes of anybody sitting in power, and they call them liar um, musicians. Um, these people serve the best tool of a dictatorship, which is fear-mongering. In a dictatorship, you can only rule people by making them afraid. So when they are afraid, they, are, they do as they are told. So the media, obviously, is a tool to make people really afraid so that they are more obedient. Now, what happened during the revolution is that people lost their fear. They conquered their fear. And when people are not afraid anymore, it is very confusing for those who are used to dealing with people with fear. And when people are not afraid anymore, they change behavior. They start speaking up. They laugh. They talk to each other. But most of all, they think. And this is the biggest enemy of the oppressive state. We're not taught thinking skills at school. So there is no critical thinking skills. Uh, that, that people practice, especially in, in the age where they are shaping their awareness of, of the world. And so it is, before, people used to just accept anything they, they saw in the media or read in the papers as facts. As soon as the revolution showed them their own strength in the face of those lies, they don't believe that anymore. And so the counter-revolution media, when they lost their best tool of fear-mongering, they started using their second best tool. If fear doesn't work, use Smear. So they started orchestrating smear campaigns against all the activists and the politicians and the thinkers, calling them spies and enemies of the state and evildoers and troublemakers and this kind of thing. And we started hearing about things we didn't hear about before. We started hearing about 
the foreign hands and the spies infesting the streets of Egypt. Egypt suddenly, according to those people, became the focus of all the bad guys in the world. Um, Hamas, Iran, Israel, CIA, FBI, KGB, but worst of all, Al Jazeera, the big enemy. So the government started doing a series of ads, TV commercials, to warn people against talking to foreigners, a.k.a. foreign journalists, in case they are spies. Here is an example. من الأول وهو عارف جاي ليه ومحدد هدفه مش هيبذل أي مجهود إنه يتعرف على أي حد في المكان وإحنا ما نتوصاش في الكرم أنا حبيتكم هيتسلل لقلبك كأنك تعرفه من زمان وأنا في المترس مهتم وما بيتأمروا عالجيش معلومات مهمة خدها ببلاش عندنا أزمة في وعندنا أزمة في المواصلات الأسعار مولعة بتشتكي لمين عندنا في المصارة فقط وليه تفتح له قلب البلد really? مش really? أي واحد تقابله وتفضفض له really? وانت مش عارف هو مين هو رائي اوزن كلامك وقوله كل كلمة بتمن الكلمة تنقذ وطن So according to this ad, I must be a very brave woman. Because here I am, all by myself, on enemy territory, talking to a room full of foreign spies. <laughs> And actually, that doesn't um, only refer to um, um, the, the, the Egyptian media is not the only, the only place that you can, where you can hear such crazy lies. Because people pick that up and they talk to each other about it and then you can see a sentiment going on the street and there becomes a huge um, task to try to clear those misconceptions and try to inform people again that there is nothing to be afraid of. And so this graffiti is going viral. This comes from a street close to Tahrir Square. It says, say no to drugs, say no to Egyptian TV. And so the, graffiti, the picture of this graffiti is going viral on, on social media and people are printing it and it's showing on uh, revolutionary uh, publications and so on just to laugh at the, at the situation that Egyptian TV is completely crazy. And now that pe when people have um, demonstrations, uh, especially in front of the TV building, the main chant, the main slogan they, they shout is exclusive lies on Egyptian TV. Hopefully that will change very soon now that we have a new government in place and so on. But this is not only uh, in, in uh, state-backed and state-owned media. Unfortunately, some of the privately-owned media channels are also more dangerous than, than the local media. Take, for example, Al-Farain. The name, that's a TV channel, the privately-owned TV channel. And the name means the pharaohs, which is a very suitable name considering their commitment to servitude to whoever sits on the pharaoh's chair. So just saying the, the name of the sole owner and presenter, Okasha, is enough to make any Egyptian laugh out loud. This man is just hilarious. He's Egypt's Glenn Beck, and he's full of conspiracy theories and warnings about spies and so on. One of his classics, and, and you can find that on YouTube in Arabic, unfortunately, is that he's belittling Nobel laureate Dr. Al-Baradi because he's ignorant since he does not know the number of stems in his salad greens. And since he doesn't know how to force feed a duck and clean after a cow in the village market, this, this is actually something this guy has said on his TV, that, that Dr. Albarade is not fit to be a president because he doesn't know these things. And he is actually attacking Obama. He's threatening Obama. And he seems to be scaring him too. <laughs>
But he's not the only great guy on Egyptian TV, this guy. We have many, many amazing, you know, exceptional um, media people on Egyptian TV. Take, for example, um, a talk show host who was screaming on air live that a historic building is on fire a full 30 minutes before that building went on fire. <laughs> and another one who actually cried on air during Mubarak's sentimental speech the night before he was ousted. You might ask me why these people are still in, in, uh, in the media now after the revolution, one and a half years after the revolution. They were in the media during Mubarak's time for obvious reasons, because their job was to misinform people and fill their heads with lies and, and make them easier to lead. After the revolution, they were still there for two reasons. First of all, they are backed by those who have money and power, and the revolutionary did not have enough money and power to start their own media channels. And the second thing is the respect. You know, we were very naive. We thought that freedom of, of speech includes everybody. So they were given a chance under that uh, pretense. But right now, people are you know, starting to push them away and, and boycott their, their programs and, and be more uh, aware of what they are doing. Um, here is a, um, you know, their, their job during Mubarak's time, as I said, was, uh, was to misinform people. So here is um, an animation made by social media activists to explain how these people were brainwashing the Egyptian nation through the TV. First, let me show you a picture of the Egyptian TV building. You'll know why when you watch the video. And here comes the video of Space Invaders, the Egyptian version. Zyfar Kun Kalkanim. is not exclusive to the TV. Even print media is, is competing for the gold medal of spin. So some of the uh, pre, you know, Mubarak era, pre-revolution era journalists have now started revolutionary newspapers and they continue doing their job under a new name. So here is a cartoon about what some of them are doing. The one with the magnifying glass says, look, Islamists. And the other one said, great, step back. So he's going to cut them to pieces. One of their classics is the Balkimi case. Balkimi is the name of a guy. He, is, he comes from an Islamic um, uh, political party, um, a right-wing uh, party, and he had gone to the media with bandages across his face, and he said that thugs had attacked him and smashed his nose. What had actually happened is that he went and had a nose job, but he was embarrassed about all the bandages. He lied, which is a bad thing. His political party fired him because he lied which is a good thing. But of course, that's too boring for the media. They wanted something more sensational, so they wrote in their headlines, 
that this guy was fired, that his political Islamic political party fired him because they are against plastic surgery. <laughs> so these, those were the headlines. Um, those people who are controlling the media in, in Mubarak's time and, and at the beginning of the, of the time after the revolution grew up in the propaganda era. They grew up, they learned from the USSR and Goebbels and this kind of thing, and they never evolved. So their mindset is talking to people who are reading only state-owned newspapers and watching only one channel on a black and white TV set in the, in the living room, which is hilarious. You know, that level of performance is hilarious in comparison to smartphones and citizen journalism and, and social media and this kind of thing. There are amazing things that used to be in print uh, at, at the end of Mubarak's time. There is a, a classic example called the red carpet example. This is an original picture from a peace summit. You can see President Obama walking in front of his guests on the red carpet in the White House. Very logical. But of course, in Egyptian media, Obama comes in second place after the pharaoh. So here is the picture that showed on the cover of the biggest Egyptian daily newspaper. <laughs> and did anyone get punished for it? I mean, it was a, an international scandal, obviously. So did anybody get punished for it? Of course not, because you only get punished if you admit your mistake and you apologize. So if you don't apologize, you don't get punished. Nobody gets punished for things. So that gave the Facebook nation the inspiration that impossible is nothing. This is the Facebook version. <laughs> so, um, obviously, the revolution wasn't good news for the people who supported the old regime because they were corrupt, they were making money from that, whatever. So they started putting in money and effort. They stopped at nothing in order to bring down the revolution and to give the general public the impression that that was a bad thing to, to make changes or democracy is scary and is going to destroy society and whatever. So they did some unbelievable tactics. Some of them involved paying actors, you know, cheap actors to go on talk shows as if they, they were, you know, they are reformed revolutionaries and say that they confess that they have been paid by international entities and foreign nations trained abroad and so on in order to cause chaos and, and, and make trouble and this kind of thing. They would give airtime to a self-made psychic healer called Sheikha Magda, who would go and talk about her visions and dreams of disaster and destruction and earthquakes and volcanoes if Mubarak is not put back again uh, in, in power and all the revolu bad revolutionaries go to jail instead of him. You know, completely crazy stuff. There is also um, a, a musician uh, turned um, conspiracy theorist called, called Amr Mustafa, this guy preaches about Freemasonry and Illuminati and how Pepsi and Vodafone were sending secret messages for the revolutionaries to cause the unrest. Those incredible secret messages in the slogans, ladies and gentlemen, where the power is in your hand and express yourself. <laughs> Social media obviously was a great alternative information tool that, that we had readily available uh, before, right before the revolution. You, of course, you know how, how that helped in, in causing the, the revolutions in the Arab Spring, but also as an information system uh, to, to raise awareness and, and tell people what's going on and tell the world what actually is going on in our part of the world. So, um, we, you know, social media everywhere in the world, inclu including here, 
is exactly what the name implies. People post pictures of their pets, their babies, and their parties. That's what I see on my Facebook from my international friends. But in Egypt and the Arab world, it's become more like political media rather than social media. What we do is debate and explain uh, basic ideas about politics and uh, outsource, you know, crowdsource articles in the Constitution. And what's more important is that we bring those things down to the ground. So we actually complete the circle. Elsewhere in the world, people take what's happening in real life and put it on social media. What we do is take what's on social media and then put it into presentations to take to poor areas and, and, and make activism with it on the ground. So we actually use social media in a more full way than the, than the international way. And that's very important. I use social media personally to teach people critical thinking. As I said earlier, we don't learn that in school. So what I do on my Facebook, for example, I'm more active on Facebook than other media, is to explain to people how you know, to, to think critically when they read or hear a piece of news and how to research to find out the sources of that information. One of the main tools, uh, I, of course, social media is also being used by the regime because as soon as they realize the reach and the, and the, and the impact, what they did, they started employing an army of young people to create and spread lies on Facebook and, and Twitter and YouTube and so on. So it's, it's really a, an ongoing war between those who want to, to explain the truth to people and those who insist on spreading lies and, and false information. One of the main things uh, that, that were used by, by the media previously in order to confuse people is to use false quotes. It's very easy. You can just you know, use, use Photoshop, put the picture of a famous person, and put a quote next to his or her picture and put that on Facebook and, and let it go viral. So the activists have started an awareness campaign, which is hilarious, using the pictures of international figures and, and famous people, and then putting a, a completely crazy quote next to their, to their name and their picture, just to explain that anybody could do that. So here is one that I use a lot to explain this concept. This is Karl Marx. <laughs> And he says Islam is the solution. This is the slogan of the Muslim Brotherhood. The, the guy has a beard. He has to be an Islamist, right? <laughs> so when you put that in front of people, first they are, oh, and then they realize they have been tricked. And then they, they start thinking, oh, that could happen to me every day, and I didn't realize it. So this is one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm using a lot to explain to people. One of the people who were most attacked after the revolution in incredibly far-fetched ways was Wa'il Ghunayim, the Google guy, who was one of the young leaders of the revolution. So some of, 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 the, of the young activists have decided to make this um, you know, satire of a conspiracy theory movie to expose the lies that, that he had been through. Let's take a look.
to recap some of the things we've learned here today. First of all, beware of spies and space invaders. If you want to be in politics in an Islamic party, never have a nose job. If you want to be a president, better pay attention to your salad greens. If you want to be in politics and successful, better be a good drummer. Karl Marx was a Muslim Brotherhood sympathizer, and young activists are the solution to all those horrible problems. Thank you very much for being here this evening. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. You're welcome to stay in touch with me. Um, I didn't bring 1,000 business cards with me, but you have 1,000 smartphones, so take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. That's Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, of course, we are going to have uh, audience questions, um, and I have so many things. I have so many <laughs> things in my mind. One would be this. Is not about a third of Egypt's economy tourism-based? Would it mm -hmm. not be very impractical not to talk to foreigners at all? Of course, of course, and uh, that was a huge, there was a huge counter campaign to that crazy spy thing. They ran only two TV commercials, and then the huge backlash that they got from uh, inside Egypt and from abroad made them stop it in, I think, maybe three or four days. It was completely discontinued. Um, and, and I'm happy to say that now we have a new set of people uh, taking over the, the uh, we, unfortunately, we still have a ministry of information. Uh, I hope to see that gone very soon. But at least there is a new set of people taking over, so hopefully we'll never see that again. We, of course, we, that's in the 60s. It shouldn't come back again. But still, I mean, there were clearly people... There's been a meeting in a room where somebody has dis described the problem and some other people have said, well, we could make this movie about how foreigners are spies. <laughs> so, so there are clearly a lot of people still to whom this makes sense, that, who think that this might work. And, and then there, I guess there are, as you say, also we, some we viewers that it works on. We, we, have, we don't have a lot of people who think that way. Actually, this was... Um, uh, for those of you who are, who are aware of psychology and mass communication, um, you're aware of social engineering. Mm -hmm. And this was a very lame attempt at changing the welcoming and open and warm attitude of Egyptians towards foreigners from, from thousands of years ago. Those of you who have been to Egypt know what I'm talking about. People would take you to their house after five minutes of talking to you to offer you tea and coffee and introduce you to your family. So... The main reason for such a crazy campaign was to actually make people afraid of foreigners because most of the foreigners uh, who are interacting with people at the moment, because there isn't much tourism at the moment, mm -hmm. so most of the non-Egyptians interacting with people right now are either human rights activists or international journalists or uh, foreign uh, members of, of uh, foreign embassies or whatever it is. So... It, you know, when you're doing something wrong, you don't want an international eye on you. So the best way to do, you can't kick these people out of the country. So what you can do, you can make your people afraid to talk to them. But it didn't work. People are becoming a lot more uh, aware after the revolution. And I must say, um, you know, I travel a lot. I've, I've been to more than 30 countries worldwide. And so I can sometimes step back a little bit and, and see things from the outside. And I can see an enormous um, change in the attitude and the level of awareness and the level of education that, that the average Egyptian has been having since the revolution, uh, women included, by the way, and even women in rural areas. Um, the long lines of voting, for example, we voted five times last year for the parliament, the two houses of the parliament, different issues in the constitution and the presidentials uh, in two stages. And the, the length of the women's uh, voting lines were sometimes twice as long as the men's lines. 
So people are getting very involved. They're getting very educated and very aware, and that's a good thing. And that's great. But I mean, that is fantastic. But is there not also a situation or a, or a, a threat that right now there is a sort of um, middle ground where where people have have learned that probably nothing they hear is true. Mm -hmm. uh, so would that, you'd assume that that would lead to the fact that it's very difficult to communicate actual truths as well, because, yeah, because if, if you have conspiracy theories on one side, mm -hmm. you're absolutely certain to have conspiracy th theories on the other side exactly. as well. So within it, the revolutionary it... mo movement, is mm -hmm. there, what are the conspiracy theories there? Well, actually, one of the good things about that situation is it makes you really scrupulous if you want to talk to, to the masses from now on because people have become very used to standing up. Like in a crowd like this, during Mubarak's time, if I gave a lecture, you would hardly have anybody opposing me. But now, you would have hands all over the place and people say, excuse me, no, I don't think what you're saying is right. So they have learned to speak up. So what you actually do is you, 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 you work harder, you plan your information harder, you offer proof to people, you show them where the information came from, and you have to be prepared for, for some, some people challenging what you're saying, which is a good thing, because mm -hmm. debate is a good thing. Free speech is all about debate, and all about people speaking their minds and learning from each other, not sitting there and accepting what, it, what they are told. So actually, I think it's a great thing. Yes, let's do some audience questions. Be brave. 500 hands up. Wow. <laughs> Be brave. I cannot see any waving. Surely, there, yeah, over it's there. It's difficult yeah. to see with the light at the yeah. interface. But yeah, right. thank you. Hello, um, Sahar. Um, my name is Maria. Hello, Maria. Hi. Um, I just wanted, I mean, this is a positive movement, and I think uh, you're doing a great job, of course. But thank my you. question is are you, are you in risk? Is there any risk that you will... Me personally? Yes, people, the revolutionaries, the, the human rights uh, keepers and so forth. Is there any risk? Mm -hmm. Well, I believe that the statistics show that people die out of falling out of their beds a lot more than they die in prison. <laughs> so, um, I, everybody's at risk at, at all times, in my opinion. And I think I was at risk during Mubarak's time a lot, a lot more because people could just get detained off the street without a reason and they could just disappear. At least now, people know what they're accused of. And that's a step forward. Of course, I don't want to see that happen. But whether or not we are at risk, I hope not. But um, th there is no guarantee that we aren't. Let me, let me put it that way. Um, and again, that's, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It, it teaches you many things. Uh, you, you have to, to grow as a human being. You have to face a certain situation where you have to make huge choices. And when you make a choice you start realizing who you really are. So when, when there comes a time when you have to choose my very comfortable, happy life or my country and my people, and then you choose your people, you grow. And I would put that above anything else. Hi, my name is Matthias Petrian. Hello, Matthias. In Malmö. Um, I think your parallel to Fox News in the beginning was very, very good. And what's your opinion about what we see in, in the Western world of the disinformation, etc. I think everybody here have heard, have heard quite a lot about Republican Fox News. <laughs> well, I have, to be honest with you, the past two years, I mean, since, since right before the revolution, all through the past two years, I have hardly had time to focus on international media. There was so much going on in Egypt that I don't even have time to focus on other Arab Spring countries. 
Um, and when you, you know, what I do is teach. I talk and I lecture and I, and I do the same uh, through social media and I write. So what you try to do is actually make more connection with your local people and be more focused on, on the local news and try to learn as well. I was never interested in politics before the revolution and then suddenly I'm so into it that people were asking me to run for presidency. <laughs> so I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I was, I was very surprised when I was told that. But... To be able to learn and to teach and to, to be aware and understand and then make others aware, that's a, you know, a handful. So I'm, I'm ignorant on, on international media for the time being. Uh, but of course, I know the model that Fox News is operating on, and I don't support it. I don't support at all to, to, to be a hardliner, whether on the left or on the right, and then assume everybody else is wrong. Um, being new to democracy is a good thing because it's like being a child. You take the definitions and you apply them literally. So what's happening right now in Egypt is actually a learning experience for a lot of the developed and democratic worlds because sometimes you get so used to the, to the concept that you become relaxed in it and you start taking a turn, whereas when it's new, you're actually grabbing to it. So I would invite everybody to keep an eye on Egyptian news, actually. There's so much going on there. And I think that's a smart thing also. I mean, you're going to have so many media organizations. I think also people here think, oh, we must help somehow. Yeah. Maybe you don't need as much help, because I think, uh, as we just heard, we are also naive about how <laughs> our medias operate. Uh, of course, uh, we don't have Fox News in Sweden, but, that, but because, that, because it exists out there, we assume that our, our medias don't make a mistake, and mm -hmm. unfortunately, uh, we've had a, the Thomas Quick case here in Sweden, a big uh, news item again in the last uh, few weeks, has proved that we are pretty good at getting on the bandwagon even when, when the facts are, are blatantly yeah. wrong. So. Um, yes. But I, I would like to make a, a, a small comment. You, you hear me talk a lot about Egypt, and it's not just because I'm Egyptian. I see myself as, a, as more international. I see myself as a citizen of the world who happens to be Egyptian. So the reason why I talk about Egypt is because it's a hub in my part of the world. What happens in Egypt affects um, the Arab Spring countries. It affects the rest of the, the region, the Mediterranean region and the Middle East. And it also affects the rest of the world. Are you aware that the, 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 what happened in Tahrir Square in, in uh, January and February 2011 was carried out to more than 90 countries worldwide and 900 cities? You know, the, the Occupy movement is copying Tahrir Square in 900 cities around the world. So the change taking place in such a complex nation and under such complex circumstances is an incredible learning experience for a lot of people who, are, who come from both sides of the world, who come from underprivileged countries that are trying to grow and, and shake off you know, all the ignorance and, and, and the, the, the lack of education and lack of money and so on, and the, the advanced nations as well, because there, is, there comes a time, as I said, when you come, become too relaxed in, in your way of life and assume that this is the standard, whereas there is nothing to prevent any human being on earth from learning from any other human being on earth. I learned my best lessons in Tahrir Square from the poorest people you can imagine. I have an entire lecture on, the, on that one that I gave at the, at the Royal Palace a few months ago mm -hmm. uh, on, on the lessons I learned from simple and poor Egyptians. So when you're, when you're open to learning from every part of the world, you grow and you, you can help yourself and your people a lot more. Right here. Thanks. Um, hi. Um, first of all, thank you, Saha. That was really entertaining. Thank you. Um, I would just be interested in your personal take on the current situation mm -hmm. and your kind of uh, view into the future, perhaps, how mm -hmm. things will develop in the next months, because it seems your, you know, your new president has kind of been testing uh -huh. his boundaries with the military and trying to push things. So 
do you feel like the situation is stabilizing and what are your uh, prospects for the future? Thank you. Okay, um, I, I wish I had brought a, a slide I use a lot in, in most of my presentations, and it's a quote from Thomas Friedman. Um, it, it's a person I don't usually agree with in most of his views, but he said something brilliant at least once, and he said, the Egyptian revolution, nobody saw it coming. You know, nobody could have predicted it. It just happened. It's like elephants flying, he said. So the Egyptian revolution is like elephants flying. Nobody predicted it could happen. So what makes, you, what makes you think you know where it's going? So the best, the smartest thing to do right now is to shut up and take notes. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so, and I would advise everybody else, you don't have to shut up, obviously, but <laughs> take notes. So um, my, my take on the current situation, I didn't vote for the current president um, because I don't like Muslim Brotherhood um, uh, politics. Uh, their thought is their, their own, but, but when, when they want to be you know, in charge, when they want to be the government, then they owe the nation and they, you know, they owe the world in the area because they, there is so much influence coming out of Egypt. They owe the world um, you know, a different standard of, of performance. So I, I didn't vote for the current president. I voted for another person who, who was more liberal and more um, centrist. However, in the situation that our president was elected, I was backing him because the alternative was going back to the old regime, and nobody wanted that. Um, I could, at first, I was uh, very disappointed, uh, and I didn't like that he was too quiet and too low-key, but then he surprised me pleasantly the past couple of weeks, uh, made some revolutionary decisions that seemed to, to, to imply that he is breaking free from the strict code of, of the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, I hope so. And so if he continues along that line, I think we will see huge progress in Egypt very quickly because, you know, the move he made with the army leadership, for example, it, it had taken, we, we look up to Turkey. The Turkish model is, is, is a model that we think could be useful in Egypt. And it took Turkey 20 years to do what he did in three days. So if he keeps going at that pace, I think we can, we can create a, a new model. I mean, very quickly, Turkey could be learning from us, hopefully. Yeah, so we'll see. <laughs> let's, let's hope it sticks. Let's hope it sticks. sticks. Yeah. Exactly. I, I have a, a follow-up from that. Or do we have... There's a question right there. Yeah. Yes. I think the people at the back, we should pay attention to, yes. okay. <laughs> to the masses. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of like, social media people here. Good. All right. Uh, just to know how many people from social media background or sites or wow, that's a lot of people. Great. Yeah, so uh, we all know that social media is interesting in a lot of ways, and in particular when there's like an uprising. So um, now the governments have found out this too, and mm -hmm. I'm curious what uh, what you did and uh, your likes about uh, when the government intrudes on social mm -hmm. media. How mm -hmm. do you defend yourself? Of what course. is yeah. the mm -hmm. digital self-defense? Okay, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I will probably get a lot of followers today when I go home on Facebook and Twitter and <laughs> so on. I'd love that. And if you take pictures or videos, please tag me. I'd, I'd like to see. Uh, what we did in self-defense, uh, first of all, it was scary because um, there were, are you aware that there are main, all, you know, entire news agencies that are Facebook-based in Egypt now? They don't, it's entire news agencies with correspondents worldwide who operate through a Facebook page. 
and they are influencing the entire Arab world and not just Egypt. And so when that first wave of paid people who came to destroy that image started uh, attacking such sites, what they did is go to the comment section under every post, under the pictures, under the statuses, whatever, and they debated with each other and just blew the discussion. You know, you, those of you on social media know how that works. So that happened on a mass scale all of a sudden, and it, there was a big shock, and, and people started wondering what next. But then the, the techniques that were developed, first of all, they were taught specific um, techniques. So as soon as you crack the technique, you could tell who are the troublemakers and you could just block them. Mm. It's very easy because they actually copy-pasted from each other and on the, same, on the sites, so you could, you could clearly see. And we have taught each other how to spot the false um, profiles, for example, on Facebook and report it to Facebook so that they block them. Uh, there are many, I mean, I can go on and on about that, but whoever is interested, you can write me and I can, I can send you some material. Uh, so people started, the owners of the pages, especially the big ones, you know, one of the news agencies on Facebook that I told you about has 1.5 million people on it. So they started learning very quickly and, and telling their, their uh, fans to notice such and such uh, symptoms and to report it to the page. And then we blocked many of those people. Um, another form is to go to, to make short videos, video blogs, uh, to explain to people things and to put that the, inform the, the correct information in a video, which makes it extremely difficult uh, to, to you know it, when you write something you can copy paste it and then change something in it. Uh, a lot of the activist groups and the political parties started having photoshopped backgrounds with watermarks and whatever when they write their press releases on to go viral. They don't just post text. They post that on a very complex image so that people know that this comes from the original site and this is a, you know, a forgery mm. and so on and so forth. So the, it's, it's, it's actually pushing people's creativity to the limit on how to make sure that the correct information is spread. Good. We will end there. Anyone from the very back? We're out of time. Right okay, <laughs> I'm sorry to say we're going to have to end Don't there. Mind. Yes, I'm, I'm here for, for a couple of days, so if you want to get yeah. in touch, you're most welcome. You're most welcome to email me or uh, add me on Twitter or whatever. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you all for being here. Um, and thank you for the wonderful job. I, I had a great time. Please, ladies and gentlemen. Sahar al Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.